This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on this beautiful Sunday morning. We're broadcasting live from Zoomer Radio in downtown Toronto on 7.40 a.m. and also in FM on 96.7. In studio with us this morning, uh, back in the hot seat, uh, a friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. Morning, Wally. What a great Sunday morning, isn't it? I know. I, I you know what? I'm I'm in I'm in studio here, looking at a bunch of bunch of red and uh, sitting across the table from a couple of Alabama fans with uh, big smiles on their uh, on their on their on their on their faces this morning. So certainly, Naz and Lou, uh, the tide certainly rolled last night. Uh, big uh, big win against their their rival LSU. Yeah, they really did. I I haven't. Uh, I was just listening to the game and. I guess the defense came up big last night, and uh, the big stud back on the number two there for the Bama, Derek Henry, really uh, outshone uh, Fournette for the Heisman Trophy last night. So we'll, we'll see where it goes, but yeah. you know they've still got their hands full. Fournette at one point had 15 carries for 13 yards. That's how dominant so Alabama's yeah. defense was last certainly, night. Certainly, certainly the tide rolled pretty hard last night, and uh, it's no secret to uh, to you guys that I'm a big Irish fan, and it looks like maybe the tide and the Irish are headed for uh, for I, a big battle down I'm the road. Not, I'm not guys. sure about that. But. You tell me what you're going to drink after that. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, it's tough being in here with a couple Alabama fans. You guys had a little success in the last 10 years, and you you know you forget about all the oh, they've had great Notre Dame. They, they, of they, the they've had a lot of success in the last ten years. <laughs> oh, we'll debate that one, but uh, I still think uh, I still think Notre Dame still bests them when it comes to more Heisman Trophy winners and more national championships. Hey, we, 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 you, we you can, and Joe Bowen, you and Joe can, can win sing that, that praises you all you want. I'm just looking at the last five years, the number yeah. of first round picks that they've. You know, you're talking to Myrie Cooper, Ante Dahauer. Okay, uh, let me let's let's. Okay, let's, I, you want to go to Julio Jones? Come on now. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it up. You guys, you know. The tide gave Notre Dame a, a pretty good beating in the, in the championship game a couple of years ago, and I'm still licking my wounds from that one. So let's <laughs> that let's was move over on. In the first seven minutes of that game. <laughs> yeah, that game didn't last very long. Anyway, it's a big weekend in Toronto and a big weekend in Toronto. Uh, sorry, a big Monday night in Toronto with the Hockey Hall of Fame inductions. And this is a topic we always talk about uh, on the show when it comes up. We talk about it for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is, of course, is we congratulate those uh, those great players who. Uh, um, who achieved the pinnacle, which is being admitted to the Hockey Hall of Fame. And we also discuss those that are left looking from the outside. And Lou, uh, certainly a, an outstanding class this year. Uh, certainly some certifiable Hall of Famers. We had a debate about one of them, but, uh, and we can that talk about that. That was your debate, not ours. <laughs> yeah, well, let, let, let's have a little bit of a discussion on that, about that. The, the three clear-cut ones that were 
you know, pure Hall of Famers were outstanding at the top of their game during most of their careers. Uh, best players on their teams, best players at their positions, uh, Hart Trophy candidates, Hart Trophy winners, seven-time Norris winner, just an incredible achievement uh, by Nicholas Lidstrom. So Lidstrom, Pronger, Fedorov, three of the greats of all time. There's no question. Uh, Phil Housley, uh, 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 an excellent hockey player, no question. Some outstanding stats, a great career. Uh, it took, a, took Phil a little bit longer to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, and certainly, Lou, you, you, uh, you played against Phil Housley uh, uh, during your time when you were in Washington and uh, during your career. And, uh, and your comments on uh, the, you know, the, the class of 2015. Well, I think three of the four are in a class of their own. Uh, you look at Fedorov, you look at Pronger, and you look at... That's uh, true. Uh, Lidstrom, they were probably the top five players in the world at the time that they played. And 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 just to, just to interrupt you for just a second, Luke. I just want to, I do want to mention to the listeners coming up later in the show, we have an outstanding guest to talk about some of these guys. We've got Scotty Bowman, who's coming on the show at about nine later on in the hour, and he coached three of these guys. Um, so certainly, I want to let the listeners know. Please, please stay with us. We've got Scotty Bowman coming on the show at the, at the end of the hour, and uh, we'll be talking about these uh, these Hall of Fame players. But uh, Lou, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it's uh, you know the Pronger, Fedorov, and Lidstrom. They're probably the top five players in their era in the world at the time they played. Uh, it's unfortunate that you know there's questions about Phil Housley because he's going in with these three great players. Maybe that is the big question right there. And, and, at, and, at the, and, at the and, end of the day, I, I think I, Housley is a Hall of Famer because yeah. he put up great stats. The first American kid out of Minnesota high school, drafted in the first round by the Buffalo Sabres, by Scotty Bowman. Nobody knew of this kid. And look at the numbers. That he, and he came right out of high school. So imagine an 18-year-old kid. I played with one, Barbie Carpenter, who came right out of high yeah. school in, uh, in Massachusetts. It's hard coming in. But he put up big numbers in that little barn that they played called the, the Buffalo Auditorium knowing that it, it's a banger's arena. And for a guy that has, has a finesse quick and, player. Yeah, finesse player and mobility that he, he ha, that he had was just unbelievable. Yeah, there's no question Housley belongs, and so do the other guys. The other guys are incredible. But it's amazing that uh, how many players from that Detroit team are in the Hall of Fame are going the to the The 2002 team. Unbelievable. There's 14 you know, of them. It's incredible. Yeah. Shannon, Iserman. It, it, that was an incredible thing. And Konstantinov, if he had not had yeah. the accident, it would have been number fifty. He was he, yeah. he would have been for sure. Yeah, for was, sure. You know, we we look we look back at that. Uh, uh, the, you know, and this brought, this brought up the whole issue of the two thousand and two Detroit Red Wings, and I, I'm not sure that that team is, and it should be. I'm not sure that team's ever mentioned in the same breadth. No, it's as not. some of the incredible teams from. Uh, the past, like the seventies Canadians, the even Oilers. even the early sixties Maple Leafs, uh, the Oilers, the Islanders, um, the dynasties, and 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 you know, and and I'm reading about the, the Hall of Fame induction. I'm reading about the two thousand and two team, and I'm reading about Scotty Bowman and the influence he had. And I'm saying, are, are they ever mentioned as one of the great NHL teams of all time? And 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 I'm not sure they are, and they certainly should be. Um, they absolutely should be. Uh, you know, the breadth of talent on that team is absolutely incredible. And in the salary cap era, Lou, I want your comments on this. The 2002 Detroit Red Wings may in fact be the last great 
NHL team that we last great NHL team or dynasty that we will ever see. Um, because in the salary cap era, you can't put a team like that together anymore. That that very well may be the last great NHL team ever. Well, you're, in, you're, in, the, in, in an historical sense. Well, you're, you're probably right, but you look, also look at the the Edmonton teams in the mid '80s uh, and the Islander teams. You fit all those players. On a, there's no way you can fill that uh, that team under a salary cap. Mm-hmm. It, it's just one of those things that Detroit was very lucky. They, they drafted uh, a lot of those players. They made some shoe trades and bringing Shanahan and Brett Hull in. Uh, they had the great or the epitome of a third or fourth line with uh, Draper, Maltby, and uh, and McCarty, who could probably log 15 to 20 minutes anytime you, on, on any team in the National Hockey League at that time. But they, they knew their, their time. They knew from 8 to 12 minutes a game, and they were really the energy of that whole line or of that whole team. And then you add to that Scotty Bowman, the greatest hockey coach of all time. But they didn't win until Scotty got there. They had some problems. Well, they, they, they had great teams, and Scotty was the one who put them uh, over well, the they, top. Uh, well, they had, they had some success in the mid-'90s. Yeah, but uh, not yeah. winning a Stanley Cup. It was Scotty Bowman that eventually win? brought him the Stanley Cup. Didn't they win a cup in 96, no. 97? They didn't win under oh, Murray. Colorado won it. Yeah, they didn't win under Murray. They only won under Bowman. Am I missing something? Didn't they? Didn't they beat They've won Philly? Four. They've didn't won they four. Be- Oh, that was. Dr- didn't they beat Philly four yep. straight and won the Stanley did. Cup final? They did. But that was Bowman. And that, that was, was, that, that no, was the think, year. I think that was the mid nineties. That, that, that was the year that everybody thought that Konstantinov was going to go up against Lindros. And what Bowman did, he put Larry Murphy up it against Bowman. Lindros. And they, was, and, was and Bowman were, the coach of that yeah, game? Yeah. Bowman won the cups. Yeah. Nah. For oh, sure, well, we'll have to we'll have to Google that after the show. I could have sworn that uh, Detroit won a cup in the mid '90s. Well, they did, that, oh, they did win the cup in the, in the mid '90s without Bowman. Yeah, no, with Bowman. With Bowman, because yeah, Bowman, Bowman took over from Brian Murray. Remember, okay. Brian Murray okay. couldn't get over the hump. So, yeah, he lost Brian to the went Leafs from Detroit to Florida. You would talk about this great 2000. And I stand corrected. That you would talk about this great 2002 team with all the players. You you throw in Scotty Bowman, the greatest coach of all time in probably any sport. I mean, I'd put him up there with the Vince fourteen Lump. Stanley Cups. Yeah. Uh, I put him up there with Vince Lombardi, Red Auerbach, uh, Casey Stengel. He's one of the, he's arguably the greatest professional sports coach of all time because he did it with three different teams in three different eras. The the magnitude of that accomplishment is absolutely phenomenal. And he had a hand in the fourth team with Chicago. And Chicago, and he's doing it now with Chicago, uh, and with himself and his son Stan Bowen, of course. And you had Dominic Hasek in that. Who some people will he argue only, he only had Dominic for one year. One year, you, you know what's yeah. interesting. But I'm just trying to make the point that that 2002 yeah. team should be in the, in the debate, should be in the debate with the greatest hockey team of all time. I'm going to tell you, I was at the Hall of Fame game Friday night, and during the opening ceremonies, Scotty Bowman had a, had a, had his big innovation as Boris Salming. Lanny McDonald and Daryl Siddler. That's how popular Scotty Bowman is in hockey, and he they they cheered for him. And you know how popular the other three guys are for the Leafs. They were, it was right up there with Scotty Bowman. That's an incredible uh, feat. Uh, yeah, know? certainly. Uh, you know, it, it, I, there's there's nothing. What else can you say about? I mean, just just a class act and and. Um, an incredible coach, and um, it's hockey, hockey Hall of Fame weekend in Toronto, and induction ceremonies tomorrow night. We still want to continue talking about this, and I want to chat a little bit more after the break. We'll talk about the, some of the guys who aren't going into the Hall of Fame this year, and whose names have been in the discussion. And uh, certainly, some of these guys you may have played against, uh, Lou, and you've got some strong opinions about. Some of the guys who are on the outside looking in, and we're going to have that discussion as soon as we come back from the break.
It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked me to introduce their new fast dial number just for cell phones by singing it. <clears throat> pound three six three six. No. Pound three six three six. No. Come on, baby, pound three six three six. Come on, baby, pound three six three six. That's got a ring to it. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound three six three six. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And with us in studio this morning, Lou Franceschetti. Uh, had a great career with the, with the Buffalo Sabres, the Capitals, Leafs. Anybody else, Lou, thrown in there in the NHL? Did no, I miss? That's enough for me. And thanks. certainly you, uh, <laughs> you, you played. Uh, no, you had, a, you had, you know, we've always patted you on the back. Uh, you, you, had a gr- you had a good career in the NHL and you deserve to be applauded for it. Um, it's not easy being uh, and making it to the NHL. Only certain few and privileged do, and you did so. And you had a you had a you had a good career, and uh, and you played against some great players. 
some of whom are not in the Hall of Fame, uh, or you've been a student of the game and watched some players that are not in the Hall of Fame. And the, and the one player that comes to mind, certainly for me, that seems to be a polarizing figure when it comes to Hockey Hall of Fame discussions uh, is Eric Lindros. And he's not in the Hall. I don't understand why he's not in the Hall. I could make the case for him. Um, and he's a polarizing figure for a number of reasons. And um, your thoughts, Lou, as uh, and I'm not sure if you ever played against Eric, but... Uh, uh, and with respect to his uh, his induction and perhaps some of the other guys that you feel strongly about, let, let us have your thoughts. Well, I, I think with Eric, uh, the big question is going to be longevity. Uh, he wasn't in the league long enough. Uh, he, he had all the stats. I think he was probably the most dominating player because he could skate, shoot, size. He could run over anybody. And we're even talking Scott Stevens. Even the time that he got hit, it was his fault. But I, I think the, that's going to be the biggest uh, criteria against him. I played against uh, Patty Verbeek. Uh, who scored? Who scored over close to 550 goals? I played against uh, and with Davy Andrichuk, who's got over 600 goals. So I'm not sure exactly what the criteria is to get into the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. I look at the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is probably the hardest Hall of Fame to get into, and, and one of their criteria is either 3,000 hits or 500 home runs. You're an automatic bid, and I'm still not uh, sure on why. Dave Anderchuk and Patty Verbeek, because they've both met those criteria. They might not have been as as glamorous. Stevie Larmer is another yeah, one. Yeah, uh, Stevie Larmer. Uh, they might not have been as glamorous as the other players that have gotten into the Hall of Fame. So it'll be a question to, to ask Scotty on exactly what certain criteria are. Maybe their their time is just down the road somewhere. You, you can't stick them in with the three grades that they have right now because they really they weren't. Uh, uh, Patty was a grinder. Uh, so was Stevie Larmer, and uh, and Dave Andrichuk was just a, a great guy around the net with great hands, uh, scored 600 goals. I think he leads probably all National Hockey League players with power play goals. So it, it's just one of those things that uh, we'll just have to wait and see if uh, one or two years down the road. I want to get back to uh, Lindros and Stevens for a sec. You brought something up. Uh, I remember uh, back when he came into the league, Lindros was demolishing guys, and he demolished Stevens in a fight. <laughs> And ever since that incident, Stevens was, I believe he went out of his way to get Lindros every time he could. And uh, was, you were a teammate of Scott Stevens. Did he have that type of mentality? Well, I'll tell you. And tell the truth here. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I played with him in Washington for five years. He got drafted in 82. Uh, so I, I was still in the minors at that time. But you always had to face him at training camp because of, uh, uh, you know, it's just everybody, the, the rookies and everybody battled each other. Um one story that I heard, he was the only guy that would talk back to Brian Murray, okay? And Brian Murray, his first two years, he had to tell Scotty, listen, Scotty, if you want to survive in this league, you've got to stop fighting everybody and anybody. You've got to pick your spots on who to fight and at the right time of the day. And three, I would never want to come to the rink and find out if Scotty was in a bad mood. <laughs> because if we had three-on-two drills coming over the blue line, if you didn't have your head up, you're a dead man. And, and Scotty was a... He was an emotional guy. He was a guy that, you know, sometimes you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, but you make sure that you're not going down his side when he is off on that wrong side of the bed because he would knock you guys, he'd knock us out cold just like he did Lindros coming across the blue line. Yeah, I want to, I want to go back to Eric Lindros. And I want to, the case, I've always thought he should be in the Hall of Fame, and I'll, and I'll, I'll make the case from my perspective. And, and I'm sure that the 
Hockey Hall of Fame selection committee, and I've got, you know, the, the, you're talking some quality individuals that are on that selection committee and know the game. Scotty Bowman's on it, John Davidson, Jim Gregory's on it. Um, I'm not going to quibble with their selections. They certainly know hockey a lot better than I do. Um, but Eric Lindros, the case for him is, I think for a good five, six, seven years, he was certainly one of the best players in the game. The best, the best, dominating. He, he was a dominating player. MVP, uh, Hart Trophy winner, scoring title winner, I believe, one year. Yeah, he did win the scoring title, yeah. yeah. And he was a dominating player, best center in the league for enough time for me to consider him to, um, excellent enough to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. My theory, and, and, and I accede to the fact that other people see it a different way, my theory of the Hockey Hall of Fame is it's all about excellence. You have to be one of the top players in the game for a certain period of time. For me, it's not about statistics. It's not about longevity. There's a certain level of longevity that you do need. You don't need 20 years. I mean, Bobby Orr really only played, and I'm not suggesting that Bobby Orr shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. That's preposterous. But Bobby Orr really only played at the top of his game for probably eight years. I mean, he retired in 76 and he started in 66, but he was such a shooting star and so much better and so, you know, the greatest player of all time. You had to put him in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Even if he had only played five years, you would have had to put him in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He was so good. I think Eric Lindros is not Bobby Orr. Uh, did I say Bobby Hall before? Did I say Bobby, Bobby Orr? Orr. You yeah, said I said Bobby, Bobby Orr. Orr. Okay. okay. Eric Lindros is not Bobby Orr. But for that period of five, six, seven years, he was a shooting star too. And to me, that, did, did that he, he was, his game was at such a high level compared to his peers that I don't know how you keep him out of the Hockey Hall of Fame. And he will get into the Hockey Hall of Fame at does, some does point. His, does his stuff that, you know, when he, didn't, when he got drafted, he wouldn't go to you, Quebec? And you hit, you got, hit a really good when point. When he got drafted yes. to the Sioux, the he, Sioux, he, he didn't, didn't want to go. He went to Oshawa, and, and, he, I, and he ended up where he wanted to be, right? And it's brilliant of you to bring that up because I thought about that as I was driving down the DVP this morning. I was just racking my brain. Why isn't Eric Lindros in the Hall of Fame? And... And maybe maybe there is still some resentment to him about because he 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 did things his own way. He he got drafted by the Sioux. I'm not going to the Sioux. I'm not going up there. Yeah. Got drafted by was it the Nordique. Got yeah, drafted, drafted by, by Nordique. Nordique. I'm not yeah. going. I'm not going up there. I'm not putting on the sweater. Who nobody else did that in those days. Well, Lemieux didn't put on the sweater either. Yeah, with okay. Pittsburgh, but he ended up reporting and he ended up yeah. being there though. But uh, it was like Lindros was trying to write the rules for himself. He, he didn't consider himself bound by the rules that everybody else had bound themselves to. And I'm wondering how much, how much lingering resentment there is yeah, there amongst, might, amongst there some might of the hockey be. insiders when it, when it comes to that issue. But there are guys in the Hall of Fame that shouldn't be there. Like Clark, Clark Gillies, to me, was a good player, but not a Hall of Fame-type player. And he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, there's all yeah, sorts of guys like that. There's all sorts of guys you can do that, and I'm, I'm really not. Dick Duff was a good player, good but player. he wasn't. Yeah. To me, he wasn't a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, I, I, I've never wanted to. I never wanted to go through the game because it's. You know, you can always say, okay, the guys that are out. You know, you look at this guy; he's better than that one guy that's in. You can always, you can always mix and match stats, and you know, and and and, and come up with that. And there's certainly guys in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, there's guys outside of the Hall of Fame that should be in. There's guys in that should be out. But it's you know you're not going to achieve a level of perfection. It's 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 unfortunate. It, but quite frankly, this year's class is truly outstanding. 
truly outstanding. Well, and, the last uh, couple have been. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 for, for Eric to break in, and I'd say in the last three uh, inductions, so would what, have been really tough. Boys, what happens in the next uh, five years when we go down the line and it's the current era of the NHL and the scoring is not as high as it used to be in the 90s and 2000s? Where well, do here, we go here, with the criteria? Well, here, here's because here, here, the here, game here, has changed, the Louis. Like you, when you played, you know, you had game, the uh, Leafs wait. team that you played on, yeah, 10-9, 7-5, you don't see those same stats but you got to go back you know you know it, it, i always come back to the same thing i watch eric lindros i watched them play when i watched them play hall of famer i didn't need to know his stats and you, and you look at guys like jonathan tapes i mean if he does not have if he doesn't last and you know if he if he doesn't have a 20-year career maybe his stats he's not he's not consistently in the top three or five in scoring in the nhl but i'd, I'd put him on my team before anybody Right? Would it yeah. you? No yeah, kidding. Absolutely. Right? No kidding. Okay. Hey, I looked down. Hey. I looked down the stats, and we did it last year. With we had it. We had this discussion with uh, in, in studio last year whether you take Ryan Getzlaff or Jonathan Taves. And Getzlaff's analytics were all much better than Taves. And Taves' point total, he was fifteenth nah, or sixteenth. Nah. And I'm saying to myself, when I watch Jonathan Taves, I'm watching a Hall of Famer. I don't care what his stats are. I know he's a Hall of Famer. You take a look at Jonathan Taze. When he played for the in the last Olympics, I watched him closely. He That's took fire. every draw in his he's zone. Just unbelievable. His own, yeah. In the offensive zone, he killed penalties. He was on the power play. Getzlaff wasn't like that. Yeah. Taze is definitely the so best it's, player it's, in the it's league. So it's more, you know, it's just you, got, you look at a guy play and you watch him game in and game out. And just some guys have Hall of Fame written all over them, and some guys don't. Well, the way the, the, way the game is going nowadays, uh, it's... It's funny that, you know, we bring this discussion up, but players are sticking around for 12, 15, 20 years now. So sooner or later, the great players are going to be Hall of Famers because of the numbers they're going to put up, and they're going to get to that 500 goals. Uh, Back then, we're looking at Mike Gartner, who scored... Ten, I think 15 years in a row he scored 30 Three goals, goals or more. every yeah. single year. He's on you're, the you're, Hall of Fame committee, He is on too. the Hall of Fame yeah. committee. You're not going to get those kind of stats anymore. So, it, it unless you again, unless you stick around for, for 20 years, but yeah. te- players aren't scoring that many goals anymore. No, they're not. You look at the most ex- uh, Stamkos, you're going to look at Ovechkin. Uh, you're going to look at probably Sagan. That are guys that are going to be close to the four to five hundred goals. Uh, Kessel will be there too. Yeah, eventually we'll see. Anyways, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a different turn, and we've got Scotty Bowman coming on the show, and of course we've got Lou Franceschetti in studio. Uh, certainly, we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, about the Hall of Fame when we get Scotty on board. But uh, we're going to take a little bit of a different uh, swing here and turn right from left. And uh, in studio with us this morning, of course, is another friend, a good friend of the Nazawali Sports Hour. Our uh, I don't know how to describe you, Sean. You're, you are a golf guru, or a golf expert, or golf Svengali, but you're our golf guy. I and, love you guys, too. And, nice uh, to be part of your family. And, uh, you know, you've, uh, you've contributed so much to our show over the course of the last year and a half. And uh, this is your uh, See You in September uh, episode. Uh, we're, uh, we're, we're saying goodbye to you for the winter on, on the show anyways, but we'll certainly be in touch. Um, and uh, the golf season is fast approaching its close in Toronto and southern Ontario and this part of eastern North America. But it's certainly a beautiful day out today. So we want to talk to you, Sean. You've, uh, you've been busy as usual. You're all yeah. over the place. And uh, you've, uh, things are going fantastic for you. And uh, another, another great nomination to, uh, as Ontario PGA uh, Teacher of the Year. Yeah. 
if I had a, if I had a been able, if I had a vote and Naz had a vote or Lou Franceschetti had a vote, we certainly would have voted for you. Tell us a little bit about. I would have voted twice for you. <laughs> Thank you. So you were nominated. You didn't. Yeah. You, you didn't. Uh, you didn't get in uh, this year. But no. like Phil Housley, you're going to keep knocking on the door, and uh, your day in the sun will come there. Tell us a little Absolutely. bit about that and some of the other great things that uh, you've been up to. Well, it's like everything. You know, uh, you, you got to have a lot of determination, and you got to stick to the grind. And uh, you, you know, if you believe in what you do, which which I do very strongly. Um, I'm not going anywhere. So it's uh, what's we got uh, some lots of uh, traveling coming up Australia um, in the next uh, couple of weeks. And, and I want to explain to to the listeners that uh, the, this new social, uh, this new media age that we're in, yeah. this new internet age has done has allowed you yeah. to connect with golfers. All over the world. Yeah, back and, in and 2006, uh, when my internet uh, designer told me, he says, you should be on YouTube. I said, what's a YouTube? And uh, showed me how to upload a video. And I said, okay, this is great. So when I have my, my students come in, I can just post a video. And instead of giving them a take-home sheet, I say, okay, here, go watch my videos on YouTube. And then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, I get comments from Australia, New Zealand, uh, you know, Germany, and UK. And I go, wait a minute. The, the, the world just got a heck of a lot smaller. And uh, because of that, because of YouTube, I am now um, basically traveling once a month to uh, all the corners of the planet to see students. And, uh, you know, for, for the one-on-one, -on -one. you can't replace the one-on-one. -on -one, but what's amazing is that with these videos, people get... You know, they get their their hands their hands dirty. They, they they can jump in and they can they can start testing the waters and see what applies. And then when I come and see them, it's like ninety percent of the deal's already done. And I said, just feel that and focus on that, and boom, they, the 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 results are amazing. So I, I really enjoy these these traveling trip the the traveling trips. Sean, uh, tell me some of the uh, people you've instructed. I hear Pete Sampras is part of your. Uh, yeah, you know it's yeah. it's uh, it was that was a blast. That guy is an uh, incredible athlete. Uh, I, I still watch his uh, the, the little bit of video that we did together in L.A. last time we went, and uh, just incredibly uh, incredible how fast he was able to take to what I showed him, and. Uh, you know, we've we've never really need we needed we haven't needed to get together since he's he's been just pasting the golf ball, and um, it's funny how the criteria for teacher of the year is you know who have you taught, and I consider my my guy working the midnight shift at Canada Bread every bit as important as Pete Sampras, and that's why you know I don't I Not don't gouge. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know? there, there's some guys' games who are beyond uh, beyond repair. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe why, next year. Why am I involved in no, this? No, there's a reason why I involved you. Uh, <laughs> hockey players. Yeah. How are they at golf? Amazing. Amazing. It's um, you know, there's there's so many parallels between hockey and golf. Uh, you know, I, I keep. I keep showing. I got my Sherwood PMP hockey stick, you know, in, in my uh, <laughs> in my office, and I keep showing my students. You know, why do you think a hockey stick has a curved blade on it? There's a specific reason for that, so that you can collect and release the puck properly, to with a lot of a lot of sling, and then and then they realize, oh yeah, maybe I should have that club face a little more closed when I'm delivering to my target. I would be able to to release it better. Yeah, because it was interesting. We had the longest drive. Guy Jamie said, "Love yeah, yeah. Jamie, right? Unbelievable." And he was talking about being a hockey player in the Alberta Junior. They league. banned him because he kept 
breaking uh, goaltenders' masks yeah. with a wow, slap shot. That's yeah. awesome. And he brought that into golf. So yes. that's why I asked the question about yeah. hockey players. Oh, uh, they they really See, understand. Louis, you did. Uh, there was something to <laughs> well, talk they, to you they, about. They understand how to deliver to a target. They're yeah. always they're targeting. It's in front of the player. It's through the fifth hole or it's upper right. Mm-hmm. So and in golf, people are looking down and staring at a golf ball. They got no place to put it. That's one of the biggest problems and the biggest reasons yeah. why people don't get anywhere in golf is they're they're trying to hit a golf ball instead of delivering a golf ball to a specific target. Yeah. We're talking, of course, to Sean Clement. Uh, listeners of our show will certainly uh, recognize Sean. You can find him at wisdominggolf.com. It's a fabulous website and. If you want to improve your golf game on YouTube, Sean Clement on YouTube, there's some fantastic material on there. Uh, certainly will improve your golf game, and you'll be one of uh, more than 25 million other people that have gone to your site, which is really an astounding number when you think about it, Sean. Uh, that, that is pretty cool. And, and you know, because this is our, our, our obviously our last show of the season, the off-season we have, I have a new program starting on, YouTube's got a premium channel now. And, you know, I, I don't charge a lot of money for that because I want people to continue improving. But I, I, the funds that I get from my students there, we, we use for better editing qualities and everything else. So I can do split screen. And so I have a, a real top quality editor to do it. And we have a, a, a training series that we're doing. We're, we just started this week and we're doing for 20 weeks. So if you want to really improve your game over the winter, follow these training sessions that you can do at home without going to the driving range. And I've got it all lined up. Uh, it's going to be a fabulous off-season for us. That's fabulous stuff. And uh, you, uh, you've had some other success in the last year. There's a, there's a, a site that I, a guy I followed for years on, on the Golf Channel. Uh, on, on, uh, you were nominated on the Golf Channel a few years back yeah. as, as, a, you know, as one of the top teachers. And uh, you had an outstanding uh, um, uh, recognition on a site called Swingman.Golf. This guy, Jacob Bowden, I've been following him for years and years. He's, he's into this. Uh, the long drive stuff. The long drive yeah. stuff. And uh, he, uh, you know, he, he rated the top 100 golf teachers in the world. In the world. Yeah. And you cracked the top 10. Yeah, you cra- would... and you're you're in among some incredible company there. I mean, we're talking about the the big guys, the Harmons and the Haneys and yeah. the Leadbetters and all those guys. And you 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 cracked the top ten in the in, it, in this site. No marketing team, uh, just me. You know, it's uh, it's so pretty amazing. Remarkable. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to I have to give myself a little tap on the shoulder on that one. And but... we're happy to help you help you do I, that. We love you, Sean. Totally but... appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. But uh, to our listeners, you know, you they can find you online. They can find you on YouTube. But there's a real live body of Sean Clement, and he, uh, he parks his hat at the Richmond Hill Golf Learning Center. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what, what you do up there and, and if people want to get a hold of you there and uh, going into take my, a live lessons from you. Yeah, we, we're going into my 11th year, and one of the, the most successful programs that I run is my winter supervised practice sessions. So the student would come in once a week for an hour, and we do four students at a time. And, uh, you know, because you're not playing next month, or the month after, you can actually get the changes instilled. And so we work on focus, we work on technique, and we polish that pearl. Come springtime, we open up the doors and we go, remember the targets we were hitting inside? I have, I have all these memorable targets like keep out and, you know, uh, keep off grass and all that stuff. And then just change those targets for the targets out there so they know how to focus and, and they know how to match a feel to a target and and now the changes are in, and that's when they have their best, you know, their best uh, progress on the golf course, playing the game, not playing the game of golf swing. We're talking to Sean Clement, of course. Sean, we've got about a minute left, and we've got to go to break, so we want to ask you really quickly, uh, what are your plans for 2016? 
Um, you know, a lot more of the same. Uh, by the way, uh, Phil Mickelson yeah. just uh, he he and Butch just parted they did ways. A split, yeah, this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. And and when when he went to did Butch, you get the call yet, Sean? I I sincerely, if anybody's <laughs> listening right now, you know, and they have connections with Phil, I I can help this can guy you fix, big time. Can you fix him? I can yeah. fix him big time. This guy is a is a world of talent. And, uh, you know, even he said, because uh, Butch is um, a positional guy and he's, he's a nip and tuck guy. And Phil is a thoroughbred. You've got to let him loose. You've got to turn him he's loose. A he's a feel guy. He's a feel guy. Yeah. And, uh, and I know how to, how to coach those guys, like Bubba Watson. You know, you ask Bubba, don't, don't tell me where my swing plane is or my club face or anything like that. Just watch me hit this shot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it there. I'm going to end it there. Look at this. And and this is this is how we need to to approach a guy like Phil Mickelson and and many other people out there, by the way. So uh, I want that deal. I I want that uh, I want that job. Yeah, we'd we'd love to see you have it. Anyway, Sean, uh, we uh, we we're going to say goodbye for the winter just on the show. But uh, I know that you and I will be, will stay in touch. I've got some things to work on on my golf game over the winter time <laughs> because uh, Lou, I quit clearing your throat. <laughs> <laughs> That's Lou Franceschetti trying to make fun of my golf well, game. But uh, well, since I, certainly, been... I want to stay in touch with you. My game wasn't completely up to snuff this year, and I blame it on the fact that I didn't come in and see you often enough. So, well, uh, you're busy with this show, and I'm yeah. sure and all, all these listeners right now really appreciate that. I know I've been uh, – you're, you're getting me out of the sports doldrums uh, through yeah. this show, so I appreciate that so too. So certainly we thank you once again for, uh, for all you've contributed to our show. And uh, – God Thank willing, you. we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you again, and uh, we'll talk to you again in the spring on the show. Sounds great, you guys. That's great. That, All of the course, best. that of course, was Sean Clement. Uh, you can find him at wisdomandgolf.com. You can find him on YouTube, and you can find him at the Richmond Hill Golf Learning Center at Highway Seven in Bathurst in Richmond Hill. Anyways, we'll be right after the break. We'll be back right after the break with Scotty Bowman. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number for cell phones. It's pound 3636 and you can dial it from anywhere. Want pizza at the park? Pound 3636. Wings by the water? Pound 3636. Ponzo combo at the cottage? Pound 3636. Salad at the... uh, Someone stop me. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. 
It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7, striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. With us now on Hockey Hall of Fame weekend uh, is, of course, the legendary Scotty Bowman. Good morning, Scotty. How are you? Good morning. Thank Bye. you. So, uh, good, thank you so much for joining the show. Just want to let you know you're in. Uh, you're on the air here with Naz and Wally, and we have as our as our co-host this morning Lou Franceschetti, uh, former Washington oh. Capital. Uh, good morning, Scotty. Would you? You know, it's a big weekend uh, in Toronto. You're in town, obviously, for the uh, for the ceremonies tomorrow night, and uh, the ceremonies have taken sort of uh, the subtext to uh, tomorrow's induction ceremonies. Aren't is in fact Scotty Bowman in a certain sense because you you are integral to the careers of of these three of these outstanding players, uh, Lidstrom, of course, and Fedorov, and uh, and Housley, and. Uh, um, you were you were an important part of their careers, and uh, your recollections of these three players and what made them great players. Yeah, you're pretty fortunate when you're coaching and you get you know Hall of Fame players like they were. And uh, yeah, I was uh, uh, with Phil Housley. I was uh, the GM in, in uh, Buffalo back in the early '80s, and you know I um, I give a lot of credit to the drafting of a high school player. Our head scout was the legendary uh, scout at the time, uh, Rudy Mige. You know, uh, he, in fact, I talked with Rudy yesterday because uh, he's retired, lives in, lives in Thunder Bay, Ontario. And uh, Rudy saw Phil for the first time when he was a 17-year-old and called me up, and I, I went to watch him play. And, and he wasn't in the draft the first year. And the second year, uh, we were fortunate because his team, his high school team, didn't get to the Minnesota high school tournament they didn't qualify and not a lot of teams had seen him play and uh, the two we we rated the two top defensemen in the draft at the time uh, scott stevens who played in kitchener with the juniors and uh, and then phil and uh, we, we were drafting right behind washington and roger crozier was the general manager and uh, we we were we were so anxious to get a defenseman in buffalo we were trying to rebuild the team and uh, we made a deal with uh, Roger that if one of them had to be left for us, at, at, I, think, I think we were drafting uh, uh, fifth or fifth or sixth, one of those two. But Washington was drafting ahead of us, and if, if either was, if either one had gone before him, he agreed to leave one to us. But uh, 
fortunately, when he it was time for Washington to draft, uh, uh, Scott Stevens and Phil were both there, and he took Scott Stevens and left us Phil Housley, and we we gave him a player uh, to to make this you know uh, this deal if if it didn't if it had to transpire, but it didn't. But we, yeah, we were fortunate with uh, Phil to get a player out of high school that not a people a lot of people had seen, and of course uh, with uh, when I went to Detroit in '93. Uh, both Sergey and, and and Nick had joined the team the year before, and uh, you know the timing was perfect. Uh, Sergey at the time, being a European player, his strength was defensive, and he was a terrific uh, young uh, uh, checking center at the beginning. And of course, his offense skills developed, and he was just complete all-round player. You know, he could take face-offs. Uh, we we had him a short time. With injuries, we, we, he was such a great skater. We put him back on defense, and boy, he was he was something. And uh, and I've, I think Nick Nick Lidstrom. I mean, if you're gonna put a mold for a, a perfect defenseman and a perfect guy, he he was it. You know, we we, we had introduced the left wing lock. Uh, one of our coaches had come in from Sweden, and it was it was a, a, a system where either the left winger or the center ended up playing on the left side of the of the rink. We divided the rink into three parts, and, and uh, for it, we did it actually because of Nick Lindstrom, and we used it initially only against the other team's top lines, and, and then we did it on with all the lines. But Nick patrolled the middle of the ice; he covered up. We had the right defenseman pinching most of the time. It was a very effective system until teams could get, catch on in three or four years. But um, Nick's record was fantastic. You know the fact that. I don't know how many games he missed in his career. It's very, very minimal. And some of them were just resting up for the playoffs. But he could do it all. Um, you know, when, when Nick had the puck, unless it was a shoot-in play, uh, usually the Red Wings kept it, you know, the next play he made. So they, they're, and, you know, Chris Pronger was just, uh, uh, I was I was there, you know, when they won the cup with Anaheim in 07. And he and Scott Niedemark ran that whole team so so effectively, you know. Scotty, the uh, 2002 Red Wing team, we were talking about that er- earlier on, and uh, I believe there was 14 Hall of Famers on there, and uh, Konstantinov, if he had not had that accident, I think would have been 15. Uh, your comment on, on coaching those guys must have been uh, incredible for you. Yeah, it was before the salary cap era, and you're right, it was just so fortunate to, uh, you know, to to, uh, to add players that, no, because it was when you get a winning program, you become a bit of a destination as long as you have the, the you know the resources to withstand it. And our owner, he he wanted to win. Mike Ellis was such a great owner. And in fact, as you people recall, uh, Sergey Fedorov was was a holdout one year. I think it was in, in the ninety seven ninety eight season. He didn't come in until February because he he finally got a, an offer sheet from Carolina. And the Red Wings had a choice of either taking five first-round picks, which wouldn't have been really low picks at the time. Carolina was a decent team, or or they're matching the offer, and they had to, it was a lot of money. I mean, there's a bonus in there. A couple of they structured the contract so that the Red Wings wouldn't match it, but they did. And I I always said that the '98 Cup win, which was the second of the two, the consecutive the back-to-back. Probably wouldn't have happened if Sergey had not have rejoined the team. But the old two team, yeah, even another player that's going to be in the Hall of Fame, who was just a rookie that year, and actually played, I think, on the third 
third set was uh, Pavel Datsuk. That's how good that team was, you know, because our first two centers were Steve Eisenman and Sergey Fedorov. And then, of course, we had we had uh, Chris Draper and we had Igor Larionov, too. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, in fact, I, I think we, we ended up in the playoffs. We, we, uh, we were looking for a, a big line and we moved, uh, we moved Steve to the right wing to, to make a lineup of uh, Steve and Sergey Fedorov and Brendan Shanahan. And they, they were a tough line for any team to play against. So it was, yeah, those players meshed in well. And I give a lot of credit to, you know, players that had been there a while, like Steve, Steve Eiserman and, uh, and uh, Nick Lidstrom and Sergey, they, they welcomed these young, new players like Brett Howell, who grew around maybe the back part of their career, but they were so effective, you know? Hey, Scotty, uh, I don't know if you were in Buffalo back in the late 80s uh, or the mid-80s when, uh, if, whether you drafted Alex McGillney or not, but imagine those three kids, Pavel Burry, Alex McGillney, and Fedorov as a line of 17-year-olds on the World yeah, Junior Team. What made yeah, Fedorov all, I mean, click Alex with those three guys and more or less yeah. stand out I amongst I the had, three? I had just, yeah, I had just left when uh, then the next year the, uh, Alex McGillney was, was involved in the draft. And uh, you're right. I mean, those three went to the league, and uh, I mean, Pavel's uh, already in the Hall of Fame, and I'm certain in, in years to come, Alex McGillney is going to be a very serious candidate to get in. Yeah, they were they were as good. I mean, the Russians have had some great lines, you know. When you look at Larionov and Krutov and Makarov, uh, the original, uh, you know, Russian five with Kasatonov and Fetisov, but. Yeah, the, the Fedorov group. Uh, Sergey was was picked up by Detroit, and I think it was out west in a tournament. They they had a defect. I don't, I'm not sure with Burry, though. I think I'm not sure if Pavel defected or. or but I know. My, my, I guess they all did because uh, the Russians weren't releasing players at that time. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, Scott, I want to ask you. I, we know that you're on the Hall of Fame selection committee, and. Uh, we were debating around here earlier uh, what makes a Hall of Famer. And, you know, I don't want to get into a debate about it, perhaps any individual inductee yeah. or whatever. I, I, don't, I don't want to go that. But as a member yeah. of the uh, of the committee, what, what qualities do you look for when you're thinking about who should be in the Hall of Fame? How important is longevity? How important are statistics? How important is character? What makes a Hall of Famer for you, Scotty? Yeah, you mesh them all together, and there's different players that qualify. But it's it's not for the good players. I mean, it has to be for great players. And you know, you, you you look for what was their standing in the league against certain players. There's some areas that have, you know, and that's what makes it very difficult. Is like, can you imagine candidates that would have been eligible or qualified? You you stay qualified, but last year when you get fellows like Pronger, Housley. You know, the, uh, Lidstrom, um, Federoff, they're easy, they're easy ones to, to handle. In some years, it's not the same. But, you know, players that were serious contenders for any individual trophies, uh, for naturally, um, uh, all-star teams, or how did they, how did they stack up? And, and, you know, some, sometimes you're in an era where, you know, the first and second all-stars are, are, they can't be displaced. I mean, go back in history. I grew up. In the fifties and sixties, watching NHL hockey, especially the fifties, I mean, who's going to be able to move Gordy Howe or Maurice Rocket Richard? I mean, some good right wingers. Andy Baskey was in the league at the time; he had a tough time. So you have to 
check all the time the eras that players play in, and that's that's like with Lidstrom. You know, he, he's in an era uh, with 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 good players like Pronger and Ray Bork and Al McKinnis and guy. You know, the defense and, and Chris uh, Chelios and Paul Coffey's. I mean, it, it makes it difficult. But yeah, you look at their their uh, their career uh, statistics. You look at individual years. You, you look at uh, how they how they they performed in, uh, for 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 uh, not just a one year flash, so you mix it all together and I mean it's it's a tough process and it's a, you often get criticized when players miss, but uh, a lot of time well like Phil Housley missed uh, quite a few years because the class of players was real difficult, uh, you know, and he had just retired not not long. Uh, a goal, but he he got in because of his uh, of his uh, you know great individual skills. Scotty, uh, I get back to Sergei Fedorov. You put him back on defense for a bit, and the only player that I've seen in the NHL recently is Brett Burns, who can play both uh, up and back. Yeah, uh, it's a lot easier to go up than it is back, and you you did it with Fedorov, and I think you did it with somebody in Montreal earlier. I can't remember who it was. What were your thoughts Jimmy on Robert, putting Jimmy Fedorov Robert, back? Jimmy Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Larry Robinson could play. Uh, we we did, we had such a good good defense, and he was such a good defenseman. But we we put him up front. Okay, he he. I think he might have been a winger a little bit in junior, like he played in Kitchener. And uh, but that's an exceptional talent. Uh, that's exactly correct. Wayne Gretzky once told me about ten years ago we were discussing Sergey, and he was so impressed with him. And, you know, he 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 referred to himself. He said, "I could never go back and play defense." I mean. I guess it's the skating area, like back skating, uh, you know, uh, good defensive instincts, obviously, for a defenseman are so important. And Sergey had all those things. Anyways, we've been talking to uh, Scotty Bowman. Scotty, unfortunately, our time has run short once again. We'd love to spend more time with you, but I know that you have a hectic schedule, and uh, we will. Yeah, we all do. (laughs) We we really want to thank you. We want to thank you for taking time for us uh, on this Sunday morning, and uh, we wish you a a splendid evening tomorrow night at the the Hockey Hall of Fame. Thanks once again. Well, say hi to Lou as well, and uh, we're glad that he's he's a real good... Uh, role player on good teams, and uh, I always he always caught the attention of the other coach the way he played. And he keeps telling us Thank that, you. Scotty. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> thanks so much. We okay. really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Scotty Bowman, Louis. Oh, a compliment. I can't hear anything he said. Oh, sorry, uh, Louis. Mike's little, not working. Little, little technical difficulty. Anyways, uh, what? Uh, just to bring you up to speed, uh, you had a little problem with your uh, with your headset. Uh, Scotty Bowman paid you a huge compliment, Lou, uh, and uh, uh, we're going to hear that from from you. I'm sure for the next month or so. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we've only got we've only got a short time uh, short time a minute left. And as I know that uh, you've got something dear to your heart that uh, you want to say on the air now. We've got a minute left, yeah, and we, uh, I'll uh, turn it over to you. Yeah, we lost a uh, friend of ours, Drew McFedries, on November 3rd. He died of brain cancer. And uh, a tribute to him, he touched a lot of people. There was close to 750 people there at the funeral yesterday. And it was incredible how many people he touched. And uh, they're doing a fundraiser on the uh, 20, the 18th of November for, uh, sorry, the 20th of November for cancer at the Littreport banquet hall i uh, really like to uh give my regards to uh his wife karen and his best friend dave who is best for best friends for 52 years 
And he both went to uh, our high school, Wally Emery Collegiate. I and, certainly uh, remember, Drew. I certainly do. So uh, we certainly uh, will only say one thing. Uh, we hope that uh, his cause uh, gets supported, and we uh, hope that he rests in peace. Certainly left uh, some good memories to a lot of us that went to school with him. Anyways, uh, it's time to say goodbye again once, uh, once again for the week. And, Lou, we certainly want to thank you once again for uh for coming in it's been a big day for you with between alabama crushing lsu and scotty bowman patting you on the back <laughs> it's going to be uh it's going to be uh i feel sorry for your boss tomorrow morning i'm sure you're going to go in and ask for a raise uh so uh <laughs> Good luck. anyways lou <laughs> anyways lou uh, all kidding aside you know you and i and naz we j- we joke around and but uh we do respect your opinions and uh we always look forward to you coming in in the air and sharing your ins- your hockey insights with us. Thanks once again. Thank you. It's always my pleasure to be here with and you guys. And Sean, have a great winter. Thanks, guys. You too. We'll see you in the spring. And to all our listeners, have a fantastic week. We'll be back again here next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.